Welcome to Albuquerque Westside Foursquare's podcast. My name is Tony. I lead worship at Westside Foursquare Church and upload the podcast. If you have questions, comments, or prayer requests, please reach out to us in the email listed in the show notes. You can also find us on YouTube and Facebook. I hope you enjoy the message today. Good morning, everybody. Good morning to everybody who's joining us online as well. Um, Today we're going to continue our study through the Ten Commandments, uh, but let's open in prayer. Lord God, we thank you for um, your Holy Spirit. God, you tell us in the scripture that um, one person sows, another person waters, but you're the one who brings the increase. So God, what that means is that we can't bring increase in ourselves. You have to do that work. So Holy Spirit, we ask you today to take the word that's being sown into our hearts, water it, tend it, bring increase that will bring glory to Jesus. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. 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 So today we're going to do part six of our Ten Commandments series. Um, Last week, yes? I thought it was part five. Um, no, I think this is part six. Is part yeah, because it's the fifth commandment, but I had like an introductory one. Okay. So this is part six. Last week, our YouTube video is labeled with Ten Commandments part six, but no. then... Last week, it was labeled part five. part five. This week, it's also labeled part five. Oh. But I can change it to part six later. Yeah, it's part six. Okay. So <laughs> last week was labeled as a Ten Commandment sermon, but then at the last minute, God gave me something else he wanted me to talk about. So we're going to... I know, over and over. We'll get it worked out. We will wrestle this out. It's going to be all right. But today we're going to continue with our Ten Commandments series. And as I've been saying, and I want to do just a quick introduction again, the Ten Commandments describe a couple of things. The first thing that the Ten Commandments describe is what God is like. The Ten Commandments are a description of what God, in His never-ending love, how he behaves or doesn't behave, okay? God never steals. That's why we have to invite him into our lives because God never steals. God never murders. He never takes innocent life. God uh, never lies. Everything he says is the truth. And the Ten Commandments are a description of what God is like. Now, when God created uh, Adam and Eve, he created them to function in his way of life. That's the way Adam and Eve were created, was to function in God's way of life, the way God sees things, the way God behaves, the way God thinks. Adam and Eve were designed to function in that. And when Adam and Eve chose to rebel against what God had told them to do, they fell from that level of God's level of life into a, actually a form of death, a form of living death. I preached about this before, but you know what? The zombie apocalypse already happened in the Garden of Eden. And now our planet is populated by the living dead. But God in his mercy sent Jesus 
to die on the cross to take the, the just punishment for our sin and to give us the ability to come to him and be raised back to life. And when, once we are raised back to life, it actually opens the possibility for us to again learn how to walk in God's way of life. The Ten Commandments actually describe a human life that functions properly, a human life that works. The first five commandments are about uh, man's interaction with God, proper interaction with God. The second five commandments are about God's proper interaction with other people. This is why, this is one of the reasons why Jesus said that the two greatest commandments are love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. And he says all of the law and the commandments hang. This is the supporting beam. Those two commandments are the supporting beam on which all the rest of the law and the commandments hang. And the Ten Commandments is an example of that. The first five commandments hang on the commandment of love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second five commandments hang on the beam of love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now today we're going to talk about the fifth commandment and we're going to go into that a little bit, but before we do that, I want to remind you, when we were dead in our sins, before we came and humbled ourselves before Jesus and allowed him to resurrect us from death, we were incapable of following the Ten Commandments. Well, I never murdered anybody. Well, two things. Number one... Jesus says if you ever hated someone, then you're guilty of murder because sin is something that happens in your heart. It's not what you do, okay? But second of all, Jesus says that if you have disobeyed one commandment, then you're guilty of breaking all of them. So if you've ever lied, then you are guilty of breaking the law. So it's just as if you had committed murder. It's just as if you had stolen. It was just as if any of the other things in the commandments. But once we're brought back to life, the Holy Spirit comes and indwells us, and he begins to teach us how to begin to live this life that works. In fact, the Bible says he transforms us. It says all old things are passed away Everything has become new, and in reality, as we're pursuing Jesus, as we are apprenticing ourselves to Christ, the Holy Spirit actually turns us into people who want to obey the Ten Commandments. We're not doing it anymore because we have to. We actually reach a level of maturity where we are obeying the Ten Commandments because we want to, because that's what love looks like. And when God's love, when we actually begin to understand how much God loves us, it transforms our whole perspective and it makes us want to love others. And the truth is the Ten Commandments is actually what God's love looks like. Mm -hmm. Love never lies. Love never steals. Love does not take innocent life. Love 
actually is described by the Ten Commandments. Romans chapter 6, starting in verse 5, says, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his, talking about Christ. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Now we have the power through the Holy Spirit to obey the Ten Commandments, but that comes with the responsibility and the expectation that we will begin to apprentice ourselves to Christ and become people who want to obey the Ten Commandments. Now, last week I, I went away from my Ten Commandments series and I actually talked about something else that I've been told is, is very controversial. So if you like to listen to controversial stuff, pull up last week's sermon. Um, and so I was, I was a little blunt. I was a little bit um, forthcoming, forthright in my sermon last week. This week I want to be gentle because this week I am dealing with a subject in the Fifth Commandment that brings a lot of people pain, painful memories, um, painful experiences from the past coming back up. So I want to be gentle today. Uh, the Ten Commandments are found in Exodus 20. I've already covered the first four commandments in previous messages, so you can find those online if you're interested. The first five commandments, as I said, deal with a functional, they, they deal with and, and, dis, and talk about, describe what a functional relationship with God looks like. Today we're going to deal with commandment number five, the last in that section of what relationship with God looks like. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. I'm just going to read the one verse. I want to encourage you to go back later and read the whole passage. Make sure that I'm not saying something that the Bible is not saying. Okay? Um, but for this morning, for time's sake, I'm just going to read the one verse. Exodus 20, verse 12. Honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Now again, I want to speak about this commandment, this expectation of God, this description of what a healthy, functional human life looks like. I want to speak about it with gentleness because for many people, in fact, I would I would uh, actually say that possibly for most people who will hear this sermon, especially online, the relationship, the interaction, the memories that they had with their father and mother are not healthy, happy memories. 
So I want to go carefully. We're going to talk about that a little more in the beginning. But before we do, I want to talk about this word honor. It says, honor your father and your mother. The Hebrew word for honor is kabod, and it means to make weighty. It's like a heaviness. It's like a burden that you carry. And the word is used in different ways in the Old Testament. In Genesis, in Genesis 13, 2, it says, And Abraham was very rich in cattle, in silver, and in gold. Now, that English, where they translated it very rich, is actually the Hebrew word kabod. Hmm. What it means is that Abraham was heavy with cattle, and silver, and gold. And I love that thought that having all that stuff was a responsibility that he had to carry. See, most people in our culture today, especially in the West, we believe that money and possessions will free you from responsibility. That if you just win the lottery, you can do whatever you want. You're free from responsibility. But what the Bible teaches is that when you actually have money and possessions, it's actually a burden. It's a responsibility that you carry. Having money and possessions is work. And as any other kind of work, if you don't do it, things fall apart. That's why people who are suddenly given the responsibility of money and possessions and fame often their lives will go completely off the track. Their lives will completely derail. Do, just do a Google search on lottery winners. Just, just read about lottery winners. People, and I'm talking about people who win multi-million dollar jackpots. Just do a search on YouTube and watch some of the videos about what happens to people who are suddenly given the weight of riches, but they're not ready for it, and it throws their life completely off track. They lose their friends, they lose family members, they lose um, their credit score because most of the time they end up getting in debt, and they end up worse off than they started. In fact, many, many, many multi-million dollar jackpot winners at the end will say, I wish it never happened. I was happier before it happened. I'm not, I'm not speaking here, well, you know, money's bad and so it's really not gonna make you happy. I'm telling you what they testify about. Yeah. People who've been through it often say, I wish it had never happened. Why? Because having riches is a responsibility. It's a burden. It's, it's a job. It's not, it doesn't set you free. It actually binds you to a set of responsibilities. So I really like that. In Exodus 5, 9, when Moses is telling the Israelites that they would be set free from slavery, the, the Israelites are in slavery in Egypt and Moses comes and tells them that, Pharaoh gets ticked off and he commands that more work be laid upon them so they won't pay attention to what Moses is saying. And again, it's that word, kabod. Pharaoh says, put more work on them. Load them with more work. It's a heaviness. It's a weight. It's a responsibility. 
in Psalm 86, 9, David says, All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. Make your name weighty. Make your name impactful. Make your name heavy. So the idea is that when we honor something, this Hebrew word kabod, what we're doing is we're putting weight on it. We're putting importance on it in our lives. We're taking on a responsibility when we honor something. You know, people will talk about how they want to go to a praise and worship service and glorify God. But you know what? If you're not feeling a weight of responsibility to see God glorified, it's not the biblical definition of bringing glory to God. So we allow, when we make something weighty, when we honor it, what we do is we allow the influence of that thing to be increased in our lives and accept the responsibility that results from it. So God says that we must honor our father and our mother. We must take on some responsibility. We must, we must add some heaviness, some weight to the to the importance of our mother and our father in our lives. Now, I don't know if you've noticed this. I've said it about 14 times since I started today and about 311 times since I started this series that the first five commandments deal with our relationship with God. They describe what a functional relationship with God looks like. Now, I've actually heard teachers say that it's the first four that deal with our relationship with God and the last six deal with our relationship with people because they assume that honoring your father and mother has to do with how you interrelate with other people. I disagree. I believe that the fifth commandment that tells you to honor your father and mother is at the very root, the very foundation of our relationship with God. And God tells us just like he tells us not to have any other gods before him, he tells us not to worship idols, all of, not to take his name in vain, to observe the Sabbath. In the same way, God tells us to honor our mother and father because that is a foundational issue to building our relationship with him. It is part and parcel of our relationship with God. But then that would also branch out and affect our relationship with others. Correct. Kind of both. And I am getting to that. Oh, sorry. No problem. Our relationship with our father and mother directly affects how we view God. Wouldn't you say that commandment goes along with the very first commandment? Yes. Mm -hmm. Our relationship with our parents directly affects how we look at God and how we interact with God. Let me, let me put it this way. What do you think is the highest purpose of a human being? To have a relationship with God. To have a relationship with God. I firmly believe that the highest purpose of every human being born is to have relationship with God. That is the goal. That is the highest Thing that you can attain. Jesus says 
that people at the end will say to him when they come before the judgment seat, they will say, but Lord, didn't we do miracles in your name? Didn't we do these mighty works in your name? And what is he gonna say? He's gonna say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. So knowing God and being known by him is the highest purpose of a human being. Now, when a human being is initially born, they don't know God. They're incapable of it. The first step toward the ultimate goal of being in relationship, healthy relationship with God, is formed when that child begins to build relationship with the first people in that child's life. That mother and that father. Why do you think that fatherhood is constantly under such attack? It's because those initial relationships that you build with the first people in your lives are supposed to be step number one toward relationship with God. Yes. That's the intent. That's why it is so important that godly mothers and fathers have healthy relationship with their children that reflects God's love for them. Because a father and mother have the responsibility to establish the first step toward relationship with God. That's why families are under such attack. Anyone who tells you that it doesn't matter to a child that they have a father and a mother in their lives, first of all, doesn't understand the psychology of a human being. And I don't care if you believe in evolution. If you, let's just say, let's just pretend for a moment that evolution exists. How were human beings adapted? What are human beings adapted to? They are adapted to be in relationship with a father and a mother. That's the way they've adapted. And when you take a creature out of the environment that it was adapted for, it will not function properly. If you take an elephant that is adapted to function on the plains of Africa and you take that elephant to the Antarctic and drop it off, will it thrive or will it perish? It will perish. It will die and it will die very quickly because it's not functioning within the environment that it was adapted to function. Again, we're pretending that we're not even talking. Let's just pretend for a minute. You're not talking about God. You're not talking about the Bible. You're not talking about any of those things. If a creature does not grow up in the environment for which it was designed, be it designed by God or designed by adaptation, that creature will not thrive. That's why zoos will spend billions of dollars, maybe not one zoo, but zoos across the, across the world spend billions of dollars to create environments and habitats that are fitting to the adaptation of the creature they are housing. And when you go back in time, what you see is that human beings 
thrive within a family dynamic. They thrive within a family habitat with a father and a mother. And if you remove a human being from the habitat to which it was adapted to function, it will not function properly. That's just science. So people who say, well, it doesn't matter what kind of family you're in as long as there's love. Well, no, you know what? Most psychologists would argue with that. Love itself is not enough. Human beings were designed to function with a father and with a mother. Our local zoo just spent a lot of money building up an enclosure for penguins because mm-hmm. they can't just have the penguins running around a swimming pool. Right. It's not good enough. Right. They have to copy the habitat and the environment that those creatures are adapted to Otherwise, they will not thrive. And human beings are the same way. Now, let's look at it from a scriptural point. Let's look at it from the viewpoint of God exists and that he has designed human beings. He designed human beings to function within a family unit with a father and a mother. And that is throughout scripture we see that. He's designed human beings to function with a father and a mother. And that's another reason why Jesus reinforced, or why the the Ten Commandments, rather, reinforces this. Honor your father and your mother. Carry a weight. Put weightiness on your interaction with your father and your mother. Now, I want to say this. All human families are dysfunctional. All human families are dysfunctional because all human beings are dysfunctional. That's why it's so important that we enter into relationship with Jesus and allow him to heal our hearts, heal our minds, heal our relationships. We allow him to transform us into his image. Again, we're going from a place of fallenness and lostness, rebellion, selfishness, and we're walking. God sets us free from all that sin, and we're walking into holiness. We're walking into functional life the way God designed it. But all of us are on that journey. There was only one perfect completely functional human being, and his name was Jesus. The rest of us, frankly, are a mess. Now, some families are more dysfunctional than other families, but all families are dysfunctional. That's why there's a commandment to honor your father and mother. If families worked perfectly, God wouldn't have to put that commandment in place. All families are dysfunctional to some extent. And to th- at this point, I want to address the fact, and it is a fact, that a lot of, if not most, parent-child relationships today are not healthy. They are not healthy. In fact, many 
many parent-child interactions today are abusive. One advocate organization, I did some research, and one advocate organization says that between three to almost 16% of children have a parent or caregiver that has alcohol abuse as a risk factor. Could be as high as 16% or so. Somewhere around one-third of children have a parent or caregiver that has a drug abuse risk factor. About a third of children have domestic violence involved as an abuse risk factor. We are living in a society that is thoroughly messed up. Yes, we have all this technology. We have all this one, these wonderful gadgets. And yet at the core, our families are poisoned and dying in our culture today. And I want to be very, very aware of this as I talk about this commandment of honoring your father and mother. I want to start by saying for many of you that are listening to me, yes, you were abused. You were not loved by your father or your mother or both. That is a fact. That is true. Not only that, but according to the U.S. Census Bureau, as many as one-third of children in the United States do not live with their biological father. A third of children being raised in the United States do not live with their biological father. According to a poll done in 1999 of Americans, 72% of the United States population believe that fatherlessness is the most significant family or social problem facing America. Fatherlessness. How many politicians do you hear talking about that? Not many. Because you know what? All politicians can do is spend money. That's all they can do. That's the only power that politicians have, is to decide where money is spent. And the needs of our families are not fixed by spending more money by throwing money at those problems. So I want you to know that when I talk about what the Bible says about taking on responsibility for your relationship with your mother and father, I want you to know that I understand that for many listening to me, that carries a lot of baggage with it. In fact, there may be some that as soon as they hear this commandment, they're done. They are tuned out. You don't know what my father did to me. You don't understand what kind of person my mother is. You, I never knew my father and mother. I'm going to exempt myself from even listening to this commandment. I want to say, this commandment does not excuse or promote abuse. 
God is not saying submit to abuse. That's not what he's saying. God is not saying that abuse is okay if it's your father and mother. It's not what he's saying. If you have a father or mother who is or has been abusive physically, emotionally, verbally, you are not expected by God to submit to that abuse. That is not what God is saying. What God is saying in this commandment is that as far as it is up to us, we have to carry our side of responsibility when it comes to our relationship with our parent. We have to carry the weight of responsibility that is on us when it comes to interacting with our parents. If your parents were abusive, what is your responsibility? Find healing. Get help. Get protection if you need it. That is part of your responsibility in your interaction and your relationship with your parents. God has healing for you. God, through Christ, offers the grace to help you find peace and strength and healing if you've come out of an abusive family. And you carry the responsibility to go and find that healing, to find the help that you need, to receive the healing that you need. Our world today promotes a philosophy that says victims are always going to be victims. And somebody owes them revenge. That is not what the Bible teaches us. Jesus says that he heals the brokenhearted. Look at Psalm 147.3. David is talking about God and he says, God is the one who heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. That's who God is. It's part of his character. It's part of his heart because he loves us. God heals the brokenhearted, binds up their wounds. Isaiah 61.1, in a prophecy about the Messiah, that Jesus later appropriates this prophecy to himself, says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to those who are bound. If you have been bound emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, by the actions of abusive parents, God wants to set you free. Please hear me. I'm saying this in all respect and gentleness. I'm not saying that what was done to you was right. It was not. What was done to you was wrong. It was sinful. It was completely contradictory to God's design for the family. And God has healing for you. God has restoration for you. God has freedom for you. It may not happen overnight, but the fifth commandment in part is telling us to find healing. 
And this is true to everyone who grew up with parents or without parents. Because every human family is dysfunctional, every human being must go to God through Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit receive the healing that we need for our lives to function properly. Every human being needs to take that responsibility. And as you take on the responsibility of finding healing for yourself, you will actually find yourself free from what was done to you. I've heard testimony after testimony of people that have found healing in Christ and they ended up praying for the parents that abused them. They ended up carrying a responsibility to bring those people to the Lord and ask that God would set their parents free as well and heal their parents as well. But step one is to find someone to help you heal. Find someone to help you heal. The fifth commandment is not in any way demanding that you be abused. But the fifth commandment is putting on you and me the responsibility to find healing for the dysfunction of our relationship with our parents. And if we don't, if we don't do that, our ability to have relationship with God will remain hampered. It will remain restricted. It will remain stunted. Mm -hmm. Our growth in relationship with God will remain stunted if we don't allow him to help us find healing for our relationship with our parents. So in all gentleness, I want to encourage everyone listening to my voice. You can't go back in time and undo what was done. You can't go step into your parents' lives right now and force them to make it right. That's a responsibility that God puts on your parents, not on you. But you and I have the ability, and through Christ we have the freedom and the promise of finding and receiving healing for ourselves from whatever dysfunction happened when we were growing up. It's a responsibility that we carry. We are commanded to honor our father and our mother, to take the responsibility for our part in that relationship. And it may be that you you don't know who your father or your mother are. It may be that your father and mother are not open to interacting in a healthy relationship. But you can take responsibility for your part. And that starts with finding healing in Jesus. We're commanded to do it. And I know it's hard when you've been hurt. I understand that. But it's an expectation. Not only that, but it's something that God describes as being necessary for your life to function properly. Because if we're still bound by hurt, 
and wounding and anger toward our parents, every other relationship in your life is tainted by that. Yeah. Yeah. It, you can't avoid it. Mm-hmm. When you are walking in bitterness and anger and hurt from what your parents did to you, that's the foundation. That's the foundation stone of your relationship with every other human being on the planet and with God. And if that foundation stone is missing or out of place, and again, you are only responsible for your part of it. Okay? You're not responsible to change your parents. You're only responsible to seek healing through our Heavenly Father. But if our relationship with our parents, if, if we're not carrying the weight of responsibility for our, um, for what, for our relationship with our parents, every, uh, and that foundation stone is skewed and it's off, every other stone of relationship in our lives is going to be off. It's going to be weakened. The good news is we have the original Father available to us. The concept in father, of father and mother are built on the heart of the Father, God the Father, and the Holy Spirit. And through Christ's blood, we have access to a perfect parent in God. And he can come in and not only wash away the hurt of the past, but he can come in and replace it with health. He can replace the where where our where our training in relationships was damaged and twisted and and poisoned. He can come in and clean it out and he can establish healthy relationship with him. I know it can be done because he promises that in scripture and because I know Christian after Christian after Christian after Christian after Christian. And I'm talking about real Jesus followers, not just people who wear the label Christian. I know person after person after person who has found healing in their relationship with the perfect parent. It can be done. Father, we come before you today I thank you, God, that no matter how twisted our upbringing was, you have healing for us. No matter how poisoned our childhood was by abuse or neglect or whatever it was, you have life to bring into that place in our hearts. I ask God that every person hearing the sound of my voice would within the next couple days see a door of opportunity to seek healing and that you would gently and lovingly take them by the hand. God, just like a, 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 a trusted authority figure would take a lost child by the hand and lead them to where they are safe. Holy Spirit, would you take each person 
by the hand and lead them through that doorway of opportunity for healing and minister that life and that healing into them. We thank you, God, that we are set free from being bound by unforgiveness, being bound by anger and resentment. God, you set us free so we don't have to be slaves to that and we can walk into life. The enemy who twisted those relationships and, and twisted those people, he comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus, as the good shepherd, you have come that we might have life. Abundant life. Let us, God, rise up and take our responsibility for our part in finding that healing. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. Um, for those of you who are online, we appreciate you joining us. If you found this challenging um, or um, helpful, you can put this, uh, you can share it, obviously. Um, if you would like prayer, you can reach out to us and we'd be happy to pray with you about this. But take responsibility and find the healing that God has for you, the healing that Jesus purchased on the cross by his blood. Listen, um, we'll be back next week. We believe in you and we believe in Jesus in you and we'll see you then. Thank you so much for listening today. Remember, we believe in you and we believe in Jesus in you. Have a great week.